0: Friends, I'm Becky Davidson. Welcome to the Rising Above Ministries podcast where we share stories of hope, inspiration and encouragement from special needs families from around the world. Okay, friends, we have a brand new resource available here at Rising Above for our special needs families that I am so excited to tell you about. You know, I know in my own personal life as a special needs mom, that there are so many times when I feel like I am just swirling in the chaos of my life. And I so often need a reminder to just stop and be still for a minute, to just settle my thoughts and my mind down and to refocus them on God's truth of His love for me and for my Son. So we have created Respite for Your Mind as a tool to help our special needs families be able to refocus on God's love for us and to be reminded of who we are in Christ. So go to our app. You will find out all the information you need about Respite for Your Mind. Check out the different respites that we have available there for you. You will find encouragement Strength and hope. And it's going to be a great way for us to transform our minds and center our hearts back on God. So be sure to go and check that out on our app. Now, my guest today is joining us all the way from Australia. And my guest is Lisa Williams, and she is a mother and a teacher with a passion for special needs families and caregivers. She has a book called Hope Wins, where she offers hope and solutions to those facing adversity. We had such a great conversation, and I know that you're going to be encouraged by Lisa's story. Hey, Lisa, thank you so much for joining us for the podcast today. I am so excited to have this conversation with you. So I want to welcome you to the Rising Above podcast.
1: Great to be here, Becky. And I'm really thrilled to be able to have this conversation with you also.
0: Well, you are joining us all the way from Australia. And it was it's very interesting because I was looking at the time. It's, as we're recording this, it's 2.30 on a Tuesday. Here in where I live in Cookville, Tennessee in the States and where you are, it's seven, I think seven thirty. Yes. on Wednesday, the next day. So you yes. are, and you have already started Wednesday <laughs> in your world. So uh, it's just amazing to me. You know, we were just talking about the, the beauty of technology that we're able to, to see each other and have this conversation, hear each other
1: and be able to talk, even yes. though we're yes. on opposite ends of the world. Mm, mm, It's absolutely a blessing. And then I've been able to reach out to you guys and you found me and that we can connect and hear um, each other's stories and I can be part of your podcast. I feel really blessed to be able to be invited on and to be able to share my story from Australia in Canberra. Yeah, I love
0: it. You know, it was funny. I was talking with my team here at the office this morning and I was like, you know, sharing with them that I was going to have this conversation with you all the way in Australia And so I I was working on my questions and things I wanted us to talk about. And I said, okay, what what are some things you all want to know? Like, you know, I'm going to have this conversation with a mom in Australia. What, What do you want to know? And one of the things that Kim said, she said, well, I want to know how she found us. How in the world, all the way on the other side of the world, did she find us? So how did you find out about us in the podcast? I'm going to ask Kim's question.
1: She wants to know how you found out about us. Well, it's Google is an amazing thing on the internet. (laughs) Yeah, because I am actually, as I've branched out and written a book, and I've been looking for other like-minded special needs mums and stories, particularly Christians, because I'm a Christian. Um, I started just googling special needs Christians podcasts, mums stories, and your podcast actually came up. And so I reached out to you.
0: Yeah, that, that's amazing. So so that was Kim's question. Now, Carissa, her question was this. She said, she says, are the spiders in Australia really as big as they say they are? She said, I've heard they're really big. And she was like afraid <laughs> of the spiders in Australia. So is that truth or fiction?
1: Um, it is actually truth. And I have a funny story because yesterday, literally, I was getting into the car with my son the one with special needs, and he said, mom I just had a big spider drop off the roof in the garage. I'm
0: cringing right
1: here on the
0: on, on opposite <laughs> side of the world. Oh, my goodness.
1: But I think I'm used to living in the bush. Um, I live at the base of a mountain, so we do have a lot of trees. And um, so... It's something we do live with, but we do do pest control, obviously.
0: Yeah. <laughs> obviously. Yeah. So the, So now we've answered. We've, we've answered all the questions that my team mm. here at Rising Above had. So now we get to know more about you. So I want to know about your family. This is the first time we've actually met. So I'd love to know about your family and about your child who has special needs.
1: Yes. So I'm married, and I've been married for like 28 years, as of um only last week. And I have three children, um, a son who's 25 and he's married to my beautiful daughter-in-law who's um, 27. And I have a 22-year-old daughter and I also have my son with special needs who is 20. And when um, he was 15 months old, we noticed that his eye was turning mm-hmm. and I thought he had a little bit of strabismus. and my mother-in-law actually suggested that we go get it checked out at an ophthalmologist when we went to the ophthalmologist um, they thought that he was developmentally delayed Mm -hmm. which was a bit of a shock to my husband and i because being our third child we were being you know the relaxed parents and um weren't worried that he wasn't hitting all these milestones because you know you're told that all your children develop differently um but the ophthalmologist thought we needed to go back to our pediatrician which we did and he um said to us yes he thought there was developmental delays and over that next 12 months, which I think we got an early diagnosis really because his eye was turning, um, it um, was diagnosed quite early before he was two actually with autism, developmental delay. And then within the next um, maybe two to three years, his, his flapping and ticking actually increased. And so he has like a, a tick and a motor um, issue as well. So yeah, and that so we've been on a journey Um, these past 20 years of parenting him, growing in our faith, a healing journey. Um, Mm -hmm. I love your theme of restoration because we've really on a restorative journey as Mm -hmm. a family um from when we got that diagnosis and the challenges and the impact on his life, obviously, but all of our lives. Yeah.
0: And so how does his disability impact his daily life? Is he still in school? I know here in the States are Children with special needs can go till they're in their 20s. I don't know how it works in Australia. What is what does his day to day look like? What is how how does his disability impact his life?
1: Yeah, so he went to school until um, 2020. He did 14 years of schooling and. Um, three years of preschool and then he did about 13 years of actual mainstream school. We did put him in a Christian school, but he has had full-time support Mm. and that's a whole story about that choice um, of do we put him in mainstream school or a school with special education and he could have gone either way, but he still does today need full-time support workers with him. Mm So he did stay that. Then last year, he actually went to what's called our TAFE or our um, CIT, which is where he's done some hospitality again with support um, to work. But his ultimate dream is actually to be a pastor and a pastor for people with disabilities. And that is a whole journey, which is why I wrote my book, Hope Wins, Overcoming Feelings of Hopelessness in Special Needs Families, because he very much from a young age, loved Jesus. And in our Christian school, he heard about Jesus and he responded to Jesus. And by the time he was eight, he was like, "Mom, I want to be a pastor. Mm. And that has like, I guess we're pioneering that here in Australia. And um, there are other special needs pastors, um, but there's not a lot. And we're just trying to be outworking that and how I support him with that. So one thing we said is, well, churches have cafes. And so we've encouraged him in hospitality and he's been doing um, his cafe work. But he is this year actually going to do an internship in a church a little bit away from our house. And I'm actually... Um, taking a big step of faith and hope and <laughs> trusting God and going with him five hours away from our home to a church where a pastor has said, I don't want to stand in the way of God's call on his life. Wow. And um, we've found a Christian disability support company. And it really is going to be watch this space because from the end of where I wrote my story in my book, where we we're like, God, we trust you. We don't know what the future looks like. This is Justin's hopes and desires and dreams um to serve you we didn't have a church by the end of the book that I wrote um, we didn't know where that would all but fit and God has now in the last eight weeks put this all together and it's been amazing yeah wow.
0: that's that is beautiful and you know that that he had this dream and now you're finding a way to make that happen for him what a gift that is. But you know, I'm sure when you've looked back at your life over the, the 20 years of being his mom, there have been a lot of hurdles. I mean, we've all face hurdles yeah. and things that come our way. You know, what would you say with with your life as a special needs mom, what has been for you the biggest obstacle, the biggest hurdle that you have faced? And then how did you overcome that?
1: Um, I think for me, it was I came out of a Backdrop of my own brokenness. um, And, but I had coped with my own pain and hurt and my own stuff in my life by being a performer and being an achiever. And so a lot of what I did in my life was all about doing things and then getting recognized. So I was a musician and I used to play a lot of music. And I talk a lot about, I'll just keep saying my book because that's where I wrote it all down. But um, I talk a lot about um, how the music died in me and I laid down aspects of my career um, as a teacher, as um, my own personal loves and hobbies because I really needed to focus on Justin's needs and realising that I couldn't do everything. And so there was a huge season and there still is, as you would probably understand, Mm -hmm. seasons of grief that keep coming at every transition point. So I guess coming through the hurdles of not allowing grief and self-pity to actually um, take me under, and I needed to go on my own journey of healing and restoration really before I could become the mum that Justin needed me to be. Um, Obviously, there were hurdles in our marriage because um, my husband was responding differently to the diagnosis. There was the impact on the other two siblings. Um, our family was not always as cohesive as it could be because we're struggling and we needed to get a lot of help um, from the body of Christ, from professional healthcare workers, counsellors, therapists, um, to be able to help us on this journey so that we could become more healed and whole and help the injustice Um, work through his challenges, which are ongoing, and he still does need full-time support. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not like we've gone on this journey and here he is suddenly, inverted commas, healed. Um, He's still got his challenges and needs the support to do that. So that grief, I think, probably the hardest, and injustice, and me working through the injustice and feeling like my life had been taken taken.
0: Mm-hmm. As I knew
1: it and accepting that there was a new life, but that doesn't mean that it was a a worse life, that it could actually be a better life. And I'm actually becoming an a better person for this journey with Justin.
0: Yeah. And I think working through all those feelings and all the emotions, I think what a lot of people outside of the special needs world don't grasp, you know, when you, you know, I lost my husband almost five years ago. That's a different kind of grief. That's a grief all in and of itself. But in the special needs life, it's this ongoing grief. You know, yes. I, I still obviously grieve my husband and we, you know, there's things that come up, but with the special needs life, there's different things that, that, you know, you grieve those milestones and you grieve those uh, things that you, those dreams and those visions. And so what did you do to shift your mindset from going kind of the woe is me mentality of I'm having to lay down my whole life. I am, everything's doesn't look the way I thought. What did you do to shift your, your thinking and your mindset to go, okay, this is what, this is where we are.
1: Well, I guess it really has come down to my faith and my hope and trust in Jesus because First of all, I went on a journey where I I found a Christian retreat that I could go to and I could be really real with God and the people who were out there. So I didn't deny what I felt. Um, I did tell God that I felt ripped off, um, that I was grieving. And I guess like in the Psalms where David brings his pain to God and is very real with God, I learned to be real about my pain and, and move into a point of acceptance. But in that, um, there had to come a point where I had to say, I'm not going to sit here and wallow forever and with the self-pity. And so when the feelings of the self-pity and the hurt and the pain and the anger and the injustice would be overwhelming, it would be like, okay, God, I'm going to bring it to you and I'm going to learn to trust you. And that trust has been... And learning to accept that my circumstances might not look how I thought I wanted them to look or what I think they should be like, but that I can trust him that the path that he's got me on is actually going to be a good path and a path that he is with me on and I can trust him with what that looks like and I think that that isn't been ongoing because that still comes up because I totally agree with you, Becky, is it's like at every season, it's like another wave of grief can hit. And I can be thinking I want to go in this direction, but it's like my circumstances, like almost like the brakes come on and it's like, no, you can't go there because Mm -hmm. your circumstances don't allow it. And so I have to come back to the Lord and I need to say, okay, God, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to trust you with this. And I'm going to um just put my hand in your hand and let you lead me. And that's why I did like when I listened to your podcast about that Psalm 23, which is one of my favourites, about restoring me by that still water and also leading me on those paths of mm-hmm. righteousness. Yeah. And yeah. so I was saying you've got the right path for me and, and keeping my eyes on my circumstances so already listening to you your journey is different to my journey and we've got unique journeys and every special needs mum and family so i can't look at another special needs family and go this is how you should do it only god knows how i should do it because our journeys are unique our pain is unique and there is no fixed way or formula but the only thing i would say really is that deep trust in god letting him lead and guide us and restore us along those still waters Mm -hmm. and trusting him in the circumstances that might not look like how we want them to. But in the same time, there's that tension of being real with him, what we really think and feel, bringing that pain to him Mm -hmm. and allowing him into that pain so he can bring the healing and the restoration. And then then for me, it gave me more wholeness to cope with the circumstances in my child's life.
0: Well, I know that you have written a book called Hope Wins. You've mentioned that already in the podcast. So share your heart behind why you wrote this book and a little bit about what the book is about.
1: Um, So I wrote the book Hope Wins and I did specifically call it um, in the subtitle Overcoming Feelings of Hopelessness in Special Needs Families. I wrote it because I feel like Often in the special needs um, sphere, we talk about feeling hopeless rather than hopeful, and it can appear that there isn't really a hope-filled path for um, our circumstances. Um, We hear the statistics, for example, for marriage and families in the special needs realm and the divorce and the families that fall apart because of the strain, and I'm not minimising this at all for anybody whose family is not together Um, because it is very, very difficult. Um, But I just really wanted to write a book to share the hope that God has given us and to share our story and what it means for us to walk a hope-filled life and what it has meant for us to choose hope rather than hopelessness. One of the things my husband used to say when the diagnosis first came out being really real about this was that our situation was eternal, attractable, irreversible. He felt it was so tough. We were in such a deep pit that it was even beyond God. And at that point, as a Christian, I had to say, well, do we have a God who can actually come into this pit with us? And is there hope in this pit? And I chose to say, yes, there is. And that's really why I wrote the story to share the journey of hope. It doesn't mean that if you're a listener today, that your journey will look exactly like mine. But I do absolutely believe sincerely that if you bring God into your situation, trust him, he will show you a way because in God, there is always a way and that hope wins.
0: And I know you, know, you write about overcoming hopelessness. So you as a mom, what were some of those feelings of hopelessness that you were wrestling with? What were some of the things when you looked at your son and your situation that were causing you to have that sense of hopelessness?
1: Well, first of all, it started with the pediatrician when we were told that he probably might not talk um that he could might not even walk um that he could have the mind of a toddler um for the rest of his life and that just felt like it was a death sentence. Um, Now, I know that there are people today who that is a situation for their child. Um, But for us, I chose to just be able to say, well, God, I'm gonna put my hope in you to see what we can do to progress Justin to be all that he can be. And if it is that his mind doesn't go past being a toddler's then I'm going to trust you with that and what that will look like. But I want to not just give up at that point. I want to do everything that I can for him. So that was probably that first sense of hopelessness. Then with all the different grieving stages, it would be probably feeling hopeless when there was just closed door after closed door, like we'd reach out for help and people would be like, no, we can't take him or we don't. They they would never say we don't want him, but there'd be that real sense of this is going to be too hard and too much work, too much money. Um, and so it was easier to just kind of be polite but keep us at a bit of a distance. And so dealing with those deep feelings of rejection, feeling excluded, um, often people just from a point of view of not really understanding the journey, not really knowing um that when every time they said no to us um it actually meant maybe i couldn't work maybe i couldn't um socialize with my friends because if i'm not with justin then who is with justin all those things can make you feel like life is closing in and your circumstances are hopeless and there's nowhere to turn which really i had to just keep getting on my knees before the lord and say what now i don't know god it, all i can see Like even eight weeks ago until we got this placement um, down the road at this church, I just saw a blank wall and every point I'm like, God, again, it just seems hopeless. I don't know. Justin has got a dream and a desire, but I can't make that happen. Um, And it just feels hopeless often. And it's having to just really come before the Lord and trust him.
0: And I know, you know you've got multiple children in your family. So I know growing up, there were seasons, probably, you know, if you're not able to go and do um, the things that you wanted to do, it impacted them as well. It impacts the entire family. So how did you encourage your children? You were working in yourself of trying to find that place of hope. What did you do as a mom to encourage the siblings, your other children in your family to come to that place of finding hope in God on this journey?
1: Well, I think we were very real and raw and honest with each other. Obviously, you are when your family is in a pressure cooker and you're under pressure a lot. But we did stay in church. Um, I know, again, the statistics often for special needs family, and there is no criticism whatsoever, whatsoever. But even when we felt that people didn't understand, we remained connected and we kept taking um, our other children um, to church so that they could see that our faith was important. We did pray together as much as possible, but there was an impact. Like my daughter, for example, um, struggled with depression and um, her own anxieties as a result. of just the pressures of having a brother with special needs and at times that she just or the other kids didn't even see where God was in the situation Um, but they have become Christians and they have been able to look back and see that all that crazy praying that mum was doing and then my husband was doing because he also went on his own journey of healing and restoration that God has moved and it I guess it's not like a five minute thing. It's not like we prayed a prayer and you know, six months later, even or five minutes later, we're all good. Um, but they've seen over the 20 years that where we are today is vastly different from where we were. Mm-hmm.
0: You're setting the example for them, showing them in your day-to-day life, uh yes. by doing those things to to show them how you can find that hope. And you know, when you look at your community of special needs families in Australia, you know, what are you seeing um, is, is a that's causing the families in your community there to feel hopeless right now?
1: I think it's just um there's just not enough resources um and, and financial resources, which I think is ongoing because the acronym I have in the book for the word hope is having other people engage. And that's actually um, given, and it's on the back of the book. And that was actually come, came about by Justin's therapist, um, Helen. And she um, really advocated for us and for families in our special needs community to engage or for others to engage with, with each other. Because when people engage with one another, and they notice you, and they care about you, then that gives people hope. So if we're talking on a practical level, so faith has been obviously that deeper level of hope, but on a practical level, it is just having other people engage. And so um, I think it's when you go to put your child, just say, down at church, and there might not be a special needs program, but you can never be that family who can stay for a cup of tea because you have to be completely focused on your child. Well, it gives hope if there's another person who notices and actually says, well, how could I look keep an eye on um, Justin while you have a cup of tea and you can stay and talk to someone after the service? Or when we did put Justin at youth flapping and ticking and not very verbal when he was, you know, 10 or 11, there was a young man there called Hamish who's now his youth pastor, which is part, a very big reason why Justin wants to be a pastor mm. and has felt that call. But he would talk to Justin every single week, rain, hail, or shine. And that gave hope because he was engaging with him. So I think, probably for our families, I can't speak widespread in Australia, but for a lot of people, it's just the lack of engagement that brings hopelessness. Mm -hmm. It's like you're not seen, you're not heard, your voice doesn't matter. And it's not something that's said to you, but it's not what's said to you. And so you get used to living in isolation. And we need community. We need friendship. We need to be included. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. That's such a huge thing. And just our families so often do feel unseen and like you're going through all this crisis and this hard and you're oftentimes doing it by yourself. And I know from your bio, you, you wrote that you are an advocate to show people like how to care, you it's a quote, care an awful lot about special needs families and the importance of creating community. And we see that as a ministry as well. Just like, it is so important. We are not meant to do this life alone. And in the season that we are in the pandemic and the shutdowns and all this, it makes it so much more challenging to find that community. Um, so how are you making that happen? right now in your life and how are you helping other families find that community?
1: Um, well, again, obviously throughout church family, but we've just needed to make sure that we have got supportive workers that have been coming into the home. Um, everything is online or on Zoom. So our care, like I've um, remained connected um, outside of faith circles to our carers support network and They actually have um, in Australia some free counselling services. And so last year was, since writing the book, one of the toughest years I'd had because my mum went to be with the Lord and had a shock cancer diagnosis. And I found myself in a double care situation. And one thing I have learnt on this journey is to reach out and get help. And so I reached out to our Carers Support Network um, and connected with other carers. So I think there's value in doing, um, finding other like-minded people who can help you make decisions around caring and also the disability support groups in the community. So Justin would go to um, a disability tennis and some different sports. Now, obviously with um, the pandemic that has um, put a hold on that, but he has had relationships over Zoom with them where they have connected. Um, I think the hardest thing is just going against the tide of your own feelings where you don't feel like reaching out. And if people aren't reaching out to you, there is that value of saying, well, what other groups? And as a Christian having to say, I'm not just going to always have to stick to Christian groups because they might not actually be there, but there are really valuable resources out there in the community where you can meet other people who will understand what you're going through and connect with other families and the children can connect together as well and to get that balance and so in my mainstream communities and in my work and everything else i just try to be real about what our challenges are i don't i guess want to be the bleeding heart that always that people then pity me because i think sometimes what we struggle with as special needs families is that people are kind to us because they pity us mm-hmm. The caring a whole awful lot I would like to see is genuine. Is just because people genuinely notice and genuinely ask, well, what do you need? What can I do for you? Just because they can see that we can't do what other people necessarily can do as easily. Um, but I do like to be real and that taking my own mask off um, has been a real learning curve because I felt embarrassed about doing that. but. I guess since written uh, writing a book that's well and truly taking my past off. So um, I'm out there now with it, but I have done that because I think the more that we're real and honest about, like, I, I think people in my um, professional life and just even friends were like, we had no idea that this is what happens in a special needs family. Yeah.
0: And if we have a listener who's, you know, joining us for this episode, and they are feeling that sense of hopelessness, that sense of, you know, I'm just really over this. I'm tired. I don't want to keep going. What's the one thing you would say to them?
1: I would say to them, there is always a way when it seems like there is no way. Um, I would just say, take one step at a time. Don't give up. If you're a Christian, keep your eyes on Jesus but reach out to other people because having other people engage is what brings hope. Yeah. We're not to do this journey alone and there is always someone out there and that's what I have discovered is that it can seem like there is no one but when we do step out when we do reach out that there will be people who will engage and sometimes we can't just wait for them to come to us we need to actually see Yeah, reach out to them. And so, even like me Googling and finding your podcast and being able to listen to that has given hope, you know, and encouragement because I'm listening to a whole lot of other stories and you've got tools and resources and things that can be helpful to me in my day that I might not have found if I hadn't have been proactive.
0: And I think that's so hard. So often, you know, we get stuck in our bubble in our world. And it's, it is hard to step out. And sometimes we do have to be the ones we we often want to wait for someone to come to us, but sometimes it has to be us making that step. And I have found so often when I'm willing to do that, it's such a blessing to me when I'm, when I'm willing to step outside of my comfort zone and reach out to somebody else. It not only, you know, it helps me, but it also helps them. And so we're to do this journey together, uh, makes it so much sweeter. So, you know, we're, we've are we talked about, you know, our theme here at Rising Above this year is restoration. And we're asking all of our guests who are on the show this year about what they are doing right now in their lives to help bring restoration into their lives. You know, life as a needs parent is hard and challenging and tough, but God wants to restore our bruised and beaten soul. So what are you doing right now It's bringing restoration into your soul, into your heart.
1: Well, I'm taking the term off work, which I know not everyone can do because I, and in one sense, it's a forced one because I don't have a choice. I need to go with my son to place him in this internship. But I've thought, well, instead of seeing that as a negative about lost income and that I have to take this leave, I'm actually seeing it as an opportunity for restoration for my soul. So I'm going to be near a beach. And I'm going to swim because I love swimming and I love the water and I'm going to just take some time out for myself um, with God, walking and swimming. But each day I I always prayer and exercise are my two restorative um, practices that refresh me. And also, I think that reaching out to be able to connect more deeply with friends um, and be relational, because that's probably where I have felt I have get undernourished,
0: mm. is
1: that I tend to isolate. So I would like to make, be intentional when I come back, particularly from this season with Justin for his internship, to be more intentional about nourishing relationships for myself. Yeah,
0: those are great great things. And the, the time on the beach sounds fabulous.
1: I've got to tell you. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, I'm really looking forward to that because I don't live near the beach. <laughs> yeah,
0: that sounds great. So I know you have a website. I know you've talked about your book. So where can our listeners find you?
1: So you can find me on www.lisa, Williams www.lisawilliamsauthor.com can look up Hope Wins, Overcoming Feelings of Hopelessness in Special Needs Families. On the website, there is an international um, button to hit to be able to buy the book off Amazon. You can get it in Kindle, or you can get a paper back. Um, And if you sign on um, to my website, you'll get any information about anything that's upcoming because a journal guide is coming to it, which is going to be called Building um, a Hope-Filled Life which we'll talk about in more detail how to build a life based on hope, particularly when we feel like we might have hopeless circumstances, but nothing is hopeless for God That's because right. because hope does win.
0: Well, I appreciate so much you getting up early on your part of the world and joining us for this conversation. And we'll be sure to add all the links to your website and your book into our show notes so people can find you easily. And Lisa, it's been a joy getting to have this conversation with you and getting to meet you. So thank you so much. Oh,
1: thank you, Becky. I've been delighted to discover you as well. And it's been a great conversation. Thank you for listening to the Rising Above Ministries podcast. If you like what you hear, please take a minute to leave us a rating and review. This helps others like you find our content more easily. You can learn more about how Rising Above Ministries is encouraging the special needs community by checking out our website at risingaboveministries.org or by finding us on Facebook and Instagram. We look forward to connecting with you.